Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I have with me Jonathan Bektari, MD, about the top 10 mistakes CEOs make. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. What an honor. Yeah, man. And uh, there is no CEO school, per se, as you mentioned, but uh, people make a lot of predictable mistakes. And a lot of these mistakes, you can avoid a lot of these mistakes. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, so tell me what, I know there's a lot of mistakes, but what's the number one mistake <clears throat> that CEOs typically make when running a business? Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I think the n- number one mistake is they think if they have the right business, by definition, it will succeed. <clears throat> the you know get the right product get the right service it's the right thing but the actual execution the hiring the enrolling people into your vision you know all of that uh, is something you need to learn and you can either learn it the easy way or the hard way I think most of us who navigated it made all, a lot of mistakes and we we figured it out hopefully but ideally it would be best if you didn't figure it out by making mistakes but just to get the heads up and know ahead of time that there are certain things you have to do uh, to make your business successful, even if you have a great idea, even if you have a great product, you have to execute. So a lot of people think that, you know, their billion dollar idea is the make it or break it for them. Why is that not the case? Well, without the execution, without having a great team, you know, mistakes can be made that can be fatal. I mean, you can or you can die by a thousand cuts, you know, if you keep, if you keep, um, if you don't have your systems in place, you, uh, what, you what, kind off. Of, what, what kind of systems? Well, I mean, first of all, you got to look what depends if you're a service or if you're a product, but first of all, you have to identify you know, initially three, four or five people who are enrolled in your vision, who don't feel it's a job that they're going to, you know, like go to the moon with you kind of right. thing. And I mean, how do you uh, find those people though? Because I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that uh, they, yeah. they they struggle to find those people, especially in this new, the new way the world works digitally. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's all. That that's a whole separate question about hiring and and mentoring and enrolling people in in your vision. Okay. But yeah, but those are all skill sets you need to acquire. But I think the biggest mistake you can make is just assume that your great idea will work without you identifying. Uh, key leaders in your organization because you can't do everything. You know, LeBron right. James single-handedly cannot win the championship. He needs you know, a whole team. Be, he needs a team. And um, so I think that's the most common, but we have more, but I think those are the, some of the more common ones. I mean, is culture something to do with this? I mean, you have a great idea, but then you have a company culture associated with your vision that people should also be on board. How do you let people know what that culture is and get them to come on board with it? Yeah, well, the main thing is, of course, they, they're going to look at you. So if you are treating it as a side hustle or you are, you know, kind of, you know, hoping it works out, you know, what I have seen is the people who uh, tell their staff and, and everyone they're enrolling into that failure is not an option, that we are going to will this through because we have this great right. idea and it's just a matter of executing It's you have to communicate that to to everybody on board and say, by the way, that's what I'm going to be expecting from you. That you know, we don't have a plan B. You know, <laughs> right? And I think it's plan more, A only. <laughs> it's only plan A. So the more you the more you come across 
as not having a plan B. I mean, if, and it's got to be the right thing. You know, one of right. the, one of my first mistakes you know, I was talking was picking the right business. So you got to pick the right business. It's got to make sense. But after you've done that, you know, then you can look at things that like really conveying that, uh, you know, you're either going to the moon or not. I mean, it's, there's no halfway in between. Right. It's just empty space and you're just floating, right. floating, floating oh, around. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, a very good, very good take on that. Yeah. You, you don't want that. So, um, we did mention hiring a little bit and I've noticed personally hiring people for my own startup or businesses in the past couple of years has changed because it used to be networking events. It used to be college fairs. It used to be all these things mm-hmm. in person. And now I'm using things like Indeed or Handshake or whatnot to have 15 minute zooms with people to figure out who's going to be good for the the business, but that's difficult to do without seeing what they're made of. So are there any tips you can tell us about how to hire in this new paradigm shift that we have? Right. Well, it depends what you're hiring for. So, you know, if you have a factory or you have a, you know, coffee shop and you just need, you know, five, 10 people to clock in and out, do a good job, you know, don't piss anyone off, but do a good job. That's a different type of interview, then you're trying to interview for some key people right. that hopefully will be. So yes, if you're, if you're just trying to find a cog in the wheel who needs to come in and, you know, just bang out some work, that's not as complicated. You, right. you know, the, the standard interview does that. The, the, <clears throat> the things that, um, the people who are going to be real leaders in your organizations. One of the things we do, I mean, it's, it's multifaceted is with every application, we ask them about what I call deal killer questions, Ooh. you know, maybe five or 10, what I call deal killer. Those are the kind, those are the questions that if you found out the answer during the interview, the interview, you'd want to end the interview right away. Uh, we don't anyway, cause we can't say, Oh, well, that was the wrong answer. But for example, <laughs> let's, let's just say, you know, um, that uh, working, uh, you know, uh, I did your desktop and laptop and be, be on a computer all day is very important. And your typing speed is very important. So obviously, if you don't want to find out during the interview, the person types 10 words per minute, right? Because then you're like, okay, well, this we got to end this conversation. So whether how fast they type, whether they're familiar with a certain software, if, 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 if there is some information that you would find out during the interview that would right. make you want to stop the interview, ask those questions before the application comes in. So one of the things we say is please fill out, you know, please answer these questions to complete your application. And then you go, you go through these deal killer questions. Let's say they live 40 miles away and they say, Oh, I don't mind commuting. Yes. Maybe they don't mind commuting, but probably not for 10 years. So, right. and you, and you're looking for someone that's going to be there for 10 years. So, you know, you can look at that and say, okay, this is a great applicant, but the person lives 40 miles away. And yeah, they don't mind, you know, being in a car every, you know, for an hour both ways every day, but is that's going to get old? Yeah. Uh, They're going to so, eventually resent the job. Oh, yeah. Or find something closer. So find all your deal killer questions, put them in, go through them. Don't ask questions that you can ask during the interview, uh, which doesn't really, you know, it's not like you're going to, it's going to kill the, the interview. Those you could, those can wait, but the ones that for sure will kill the interview, ask up front beforehand. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of getting <clears throat> things out of the way it helps you weed out the results. Um, you mentioned leveraging technology a bit too. And I mean, nowadays there are, there are obviously 
tons of different technological advances that people have been using. What are some of the ones that you think are best suited for um, people to not make as many mistakes in their business? Well, you know, one thing we found is that anything that's repetitive or task-oriented, if there's any way we can leverage technology to get rid of that. So at the end of the day, you want your staff to work on mission-critical things or consumer-facing things or client-facing things and, you know, um, figuring out figuring out inventory or, you know, uh, balancing, you know, things in the office while important. Uh, if there are either third-party softwares or technologies you can develop where you can uh, skip some of that, um, anything that reduces friction for your staff or reduces friction for your clients is going to make you have more time to focus on what's really important. Does some of that um, have to do with, um, I guess, using artificial intelligence and machine learning as well? Well, you know, on the basic level, it doesn't have to be that complicated. You just look at your operations and, and you know what things are repetitive and and really doesn't require any critical thinking. Okay. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, I get the AI stuff, but for, for this kind of stuff, meaning getting rid of repetitive or things that don't impact your bottom line activity. If there's a way to automate that or use technology, uh, you know, that's going to be a win for you because every staff has only a certain number of hours in the day. Yeah. And every hour you take away from doing something that's not contributing to client retention, promotion, product servicing uh, is, is a loss. So, if there's a way to automate that or get get some third party person or technology to do it, that's the best. Yeah, and that makes sense for some tasks, but I would think, um, in particular, product development, project management. There's mm. some there's some things that require more thinking, critical right. creativity, managerial skills. Like, how do you avoid making mistakes in product development? Because that's a big one. Well, first of all, to, to kind of answer the past thing. If you do all, if you get rid of all the fiction, they can focus more on the stuff that you were talking about because we're, we want to free them up for the creative, right. critical thinking stuff. So that's, that, that's really number one. Uh, you know, I think the, we, we found in our organization is that the same mistakes tend to happen over and over just a year apart or 16 months apart or when the new staff comes in and, and literally the, the, the same mistake. You're like, Oh yeah, this happened a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, you're, you're smiling. I guess that that's, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm also going, ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that seems to be hitting home with you. But, uh, so one of the things we do is we, every time, an error occurs. We write a policy on it. Mm. And the re- the reason why is if it's a natural mistake that anyone would probably make, make if they're new to that job or whatever. So we try to institutionalize all our previous errors into a form of policy. And then we have everyone read the policies online and every month they go and just check off that they reviewed all the policies because it's the repetitive nature of the mistakes, that's the killer. Yeah, yeah, I think most most of us could live. Okay, I I get that. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have sent that off to the client, or maybe we should have handled <laughs> that request differently. Uh, but then moving forward, the new policy is if anyone ever calls and says, you know, they want to add on a service, like I'll give you an example. Sometimes a client will call and they want to add on a service, 
And it's a new staff, and they're like, oh, no, we don't have that service. When, in fact, we do. So, of course, we wrote a policy. You can never tell a client we don't have a service. Okay, so all you can say is, you know what? That's a very good question. Let me get back to you. I'm going to research that and get back to you as opposed to, so because we have that happen so many times where a client would call, say, do you, can you do this? Do you have this service? And someone knew, didn't know because we don't do it that often. Like, right. no, we don't do it. And, the, and boom, we lost the client. Uh-huh. So that, that, that's just an example. It, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to tell everybody in the organization not to do that because it could happen a year and a half later. So, right. so to, Take every mistake you make and create some sort of policy. And then it's not good enough to have the policy buried, you know, in a three ring binder somewhere in the corner. Right. It has to be visible. Because it has to be visible online. And, you know, we, we have everyone read the policies like once every a month, month every, okay. once a month, once a quarter, depending on the, the level of the policies. Uh, but yeah, because some of those policies, uh, cover errors that have been made that really had a negative impact often. And sometimes it's a negative impact, not, not, not just on finances, on quality, on, uh, customer satisfaction. So it's not all money, money, money. It's, it, you want to take great care of your staff and, you know, your customers and clients. I found myself, uh, every time something like this happened in our organization, I found myself creating a bullet list and then pinning it to the Slack channel where the people were that were making the mistakes. And then I said, so every time you're going to do one of these content things or, you know, documents or whatever, read the pin, right? Read the pin, read the pin, read the pin. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but then you got new staff a year and a half later and, you know, I mean, unless, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Whether it's the pin, whether it's the pin, but the policy thing I think has really made a massive difference as we, we implemented it. Is it more like uh, a like a document, like a PDF or something that you create that has like you know a structure to it, and then you hand it yeah, out or email it out yeah, or whatnot? Or, originally, that's how we did it. We it was it was like a PDF that people could just read. But we just we signed up with a third party that actually stores it, and okay. and I can share that software with you. A third party software where your staff can go in, sign in, and then check in. We have other things on that platform too. We have our learning management. Uh, programs on there. We have our policies. So it, it's a platform you can use to store a lot of your activities for your staff. Makes a lot of sense. All right. And to close things out, let's talk about understanding your com- competition a bit before you tell me uh, how people can find you online and learn more about your services. Hmm. Understand it. Say again about the uh, Understanding your competition. So like, you know, like how can you learn from your competition's mistakes? I right. guess is the best way to look at it. Yeah. The first thing I would say is, you know, spend a lot of time going to your competition and, and, and just vetting them out as a client. You know, it's something I think a lot of people don't do, but, uh, I think, and there's a second reason for that. I mean, you have to go uh, to your clients, to your competitors and try, try to get their services, buy their product, go through their whole process and see what that's like. And one of the things you'll find also the best uh, sales tactic often is when someone says, Hey, I want to check out your competition, you know, in response to you doing a pitch is saying, well, listen, I totally understand that you want to check them out. Uh, would you mind, you know, I know the industry pretty well. I know them pretty well. Would you mind sharing some, would you mind if I share with you something about them 
And then, so you know what to expect when you get there? He goes, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know what? Um, they're a great company, but, uh, you know, they'll sell you the same product they, we, as we do, but mm-hmm. they won't, they won't service it. So it's just so you know, we also service it as well as sell it to you. Yeah. Go ahead and check them out, but I can already tell you, uh, that's going to be, you know, the difference. Right. So often, often when you check out your competition, you then can find out what they do differently. And then that can be part of your pitch to current customers. Makes sense. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be, you know, exaggeration. Just be honest. Like, you know, one nice thing is we're open on the weekends. They're not, you know, one nice thing is, you know, uh, we have someone on call 24 hours a day and they don't, you know, whatever yeah. it is, you can leverage that. Perfect. And where can people find out more about your business and uh, your services? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm on LinkedIn at, at Bakhtari MD. Also, I have a website, BakhtariMD.com, as well as E7Health.com is our, is our company that they can check out. Uh, you can also, uh, get us on, uh, pretty much on Bakhtari MD on Twitter, on all the major social media at Bakhtari, B-A-K-T-A-R-I-M-D. And also we have a podcast too on YouTube, Bakhtari MD. Perfect. Thank you. And as always, hope you learned something and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.